Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama. Today, we're super excited to join with Daniel Dover, who is a sourdough bread maker extraordinaire, and he is going to be answering all of our questions that we have about sourdough. We're super excited to be with him today. Ama Mama fuses together ancient Ayurvedic techniques with more modern functional nutritional therapy methods in order to heal the body and mind. Using food as medicine as our mantra, we simultaneously get to the root of your health issues using two different systems perspectives. Beth English Myers and Carrie Jenkins, a nutritional therapist and Ayurvedic health counselor, will help identify what patterns in your life may be making you feel unwell, be it diet, lifestyle, physical, or spiritual. So join us here on Thursdays for Brains and Bellies. And here's the show. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Daniel Dover. Thank you for being here. Welcome, Daniel. We're so honored to have Daniel. We we lassoed him in for our discussion today because I think, Carrie, we always talk about this. Uh, we're passionate about uh, nutrition, uh, everything that we do. We're so passionate about it, but we also live in the world. And we know that it can, we can get busy. Life gets in the way, time constraints. And I love that I had this conversation with Daniel, who happens to be the father to one of my daughter's dearest friends and husband to one of my, to my favorite artists, uh, Nina. And I was just so excited to see uh, someone as excited as you and I get, Carrie, about certain things. And Daniel has been making sourdough bread, his own sourdough. He's been doing it for a while. So before more recent lockdown events, when more people wonderfully got um, into the habit. So I really wanted to talk to Daniel today because sourdough, it's so delicious. There are so many wonderful health benefits to it, uh, which we'll get into. It's got an incredible history behind it, which I just, the more I learn about, the more I want to know. And I just really am so honored that we got Daniel here today because what I would love for our, our listeners to take away is, you know, if they could start making their own sourdough or go back to the habit, that's great. Uh, but if this is not the right time, be inspired to source a really good sourdough or cultivate more interest in it and um, be inspired by some of the points we're going to review today. Daniel, did you have sourdough for breakfast this morning? Yesterday, I had a fresh loaf yesterday. <laughs> we managed to get through a loaf yesterday, but today I'm fasting, which is another aspect. Oh. Maybe that's another podcast. We'll definitely bring you back for that. Yes, <laughs> for yeah. fasting. Yes. Uh, so again, so sourdough, as I've been learning about, uh, sourdough has actually been in the history of bread, in the history of baking for a very, very long time, um, dating back to 4000 BC, the first recording of uh, recorded use of um, making baking sourdough way back in ancient Egypt and hieroglyphs. There are drawings of bakers making sourdough, also fermenting yeast for beer as well. And sourdough was then also used by the ancient Romans, the ancient Greeks uh, for thousands and thousands of years. Even uh, just learned about how even in the um, gold rush in the United States, <laughs> they were making sourdough in the mountains. Um, so it's just been this traditional time consuming way of cultivating um, a sourdough starter that does take time. And again, that this is so symbolic of what Carrie and I are all about, like just trying to go back to these ancient practices 
and getting them in because there are so many incredible health benefits to them. And one of them, first and foremost, getting that good bacteria that you get from fermentation in a sourdough starter uh, into our gut microbiome. Because one thing that's really lacking in general in today's world is uh, a good diversity of beneficial bacteria in our gut. And we really need lots of great bacteria for um, reinforcing our immune system. Again, we always like to remind people 70% of our immune system is linked, rooted to the gut. Uh, also, our feel-good hormones, um, our serotonin, 90% produced in the gut. And we need our good um, bacteria there to get to work, dopamine, all going into our, our gut brain connection. We could just talk about this all day long, how we really need to have that good bacteria. And sourdough has, a, it's a fermented product. So it's got bacteria and some wild yeast. It's also a, sometimes a more delicious, easy way for people to consume fermentables versus a kimchi or a kombucha or a kefir or a sauerkraut. Of course, we always encourage lots of that. We want lots of diversity, but sourdough is sometimes a bit easier to eat, if not a little time consuming to make. Uh, we also love the whole habit of making sourdough. It can just be very relaxing. But Dan, what brought you to having that beautiful sourdough bread that that I've enjoyed in your home, which is just so delicious. What, what brought you to that? The, the, the origins aren't as sort of worthy, I suppose, as the, <laughs> as the result of where I am now, because it started because I wanted to make good pizza, which I suppose is the spectrum. Um, and it was trying to get a figure out how I could make a sourdough base for the pizza that I got into it. And so I did a bit of research and there was um, uh, a, as a bakery out in the West Country, Hobbs House Bakery, and you could buy a they'll, they'll deliver to you a, a sourdough starter and uh, I kept that going and they had some they had some easy access sort of recipes very little kneading very little that was involved and I just got started that way so it started out as I say through pizza they had a good few pizza recipes and I thought well actually why don't I try I'll try and be a bit more adventurous I'll try and make some bread as well out of it so that that's how it sort of kicked off that must have made your family very happy and I still get complaints that I leave it out you see I, I go off to work leave it out and then uh particularly my wife Nina she can't help eating it all. <laughs> uh, <boy. laughs> okay, but what I'm loving about this what you're saying this is seriously what we're always trying to um, imbue with people is that Daniel unless I'm missing something you didn't come from a line of bakers a family of bakers did you no no I mean my, my mom's still quite surprised at what I'm doing I think it's sort of a name. Well, saying that, I think she'd rather I do that than do the kimchi, which she can't stand. But the, uh, that's oh, so good for you. So the good two for things. You. I think she, she much rather the the, the bread baking. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're going to get into more, but I'm just curious because now you've mentioned kimchi. So was this kind of sourdough pizza dough the start of a whole love for fermentables? Yeah, I just like the idea of having these things bubbling away on the sort of work counter <laughs> over a period of time. Um, it was just, you know, once you got overcome the, you know, the initial, I suppose everyone has an initial reaction against it to think, oh, it's, it's alive and it's bacteria. <laughs> and then you actually, it's great. It's like, you know, you're creating life almost in these little pots that you have around you. I have to just butt in for a second to talk just briefly about the Ayurvedic energetics behind uh, fermentables. And you just hit the nail on the head with that whole picture of the bubbling thing on your countertop, because that really is a living thing, right? One of the most important lessons that Ayurvedic teaches us is that we want to take in prana. We want prana in our food specifically. And 
prana basically just means energy, right? It's life force. It's We don't want to eat dull, stale crackers from the cupboard that has no life in it whatsoever. We want something freshly cooked. And on top of freshly cooked, something that has that much life that you can actually see the bubbles coming up is pretty incredible. That's filled, filled with prana, really. Part of the process is getting to know the rhythm of it so not only when the starter's ready and that's because usually you bring it out you're liven it up and it will start bubbling away and then you know right that's the energy at a certain peak then but then when you start to need it and to, to make and to prove it and then when you leave it overnight you sort of want to catch it just on the right sort of part where it's the energy's coming out then but not too much. You don't want it to dissipated all its energy. There's nothing left when it gets into the oven. But you, you don't want too little that you've caught it too early. So it's that that sort of spring, I think that they call it. That you just with time, you you get to sort of you get to gauge when it's right. And it's at different stages, but it is. It's that energy that's quite exciting because it, it's it's alive. That's so interesting. I had no idea. So there's like a perfect timing involved as well, which that makes me think of another concept in Ayurveda of just how nature doesn't like to be rushed. And anytime we're trying to rush nature, actually nature is always more intelligent. Nature has innate. Well, I, 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 get, I get into trouble. I, you can rush it by turning the heating up. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and the response from the family is, why Take is that it so nature. Daniel one, <laughs> nature zero. Or what happens if you decide, I don't have time to wait for this, you know, life force to be bubbling. I, I'm going to need it now and put it in the oven now. What happens then? Well, it, it just, it won't work. That won't work very well. You, you haven't really caught it in its right moment. It hasn't properly started to sort of mix in, I, I think, with, with the other ingredients, with the flour. I mean, it's sort of, there's, there's retardation when you put it in the fridge. If you want to slow it down or if you put it in a cool sort of spot, there are different ways of controlling it. Got it. Yeah, you genuinely get the moments right. Well, kind of rhythm of nature and and being in tune with that as the baker, as the bread maker is really kind of the the beautiful part of this whole process, it seems. Usually it's a Sunday morning early rise to get the oven on for a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) And then just having a look and seeing, oh, has it, has it sort of proved over the basket or is it in or, you know, it's, it's yeah. So it's fun, but it's, you're kind of lying again. All right, I need to get up now and get the oven on. It sounds like having a pet because you have to look after it. No, oh, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I mean, as you know, Beth, we've got too many pets, so I don't know why. <laughs> um, and, and I think maybe it's all the bacteria from the pets as well, maybe help it <laughs> to sort well- of... To get together. I mean, in all honesty, because that, that's when I, I actually didn't realize. I know that you you mentioned you got your starter, and you know, I'm I have not I've made bread, I've not made sourdough. It's my Christmas project to give this a give this a go. So I've been organizing myself. I didn't realize that you really could make your own starter by just adding flour to water and leaving it for a few days because what's happening is it's interacting with what's in the air. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think people sometimes add a bit of pineapple or a bit of honey to get it going and you might want to use something like a wholemeal with the sort of husks. It just gives it a bit more food to get going. But ultimately, yeah, you're, you, you bring it together yourself. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a rhythm of it, knowing when to refresh it and to keep it going. And then sometimes if you haven't got time to do the bait, you've got to refresh it in any case. So you just go through that smaller sort of process. How 
often do you have to actually do the bake? Well, I, I think one of the sounds from the introduction, I, it only works if I can fit it into my sort of schedule. Otherwise, I, I haven't got time to spend every day. So, and, and maybe it's the sort of, you know, with, with the waning social life, it becomes a bit easier because I'll tend to do the, it's a sort of Saturday afternoon proving and kneading and for a bake on a Sunday morning. So, it, and that's it. And part of the reason why it worked so well with, say, the Hop House one initially was, again, it was just, it's just an overnight thing. So you, you do it in the evening and it's ready to bake first thing in the morning. So it's, and that didn't really take much proving at all. In fact, I think some of them didn't even need kneading. You just put it together, left it in the bowl, came back the next morning, st- stuck it in the oven and, and you're away. The, the way I do it now, it takes about two or three proofs an hour apart after you've kneaded it kneading takes about half an hour and then you leave it and then it's ready first thing in the morning so there are lots of ways of just making it less cumbersome or less sort of intrusive into into your life and then you've got a nice loaf of bread i just want to back up i have a question can you explain what proofing is so after you've done your kneading um you give it a time to start to rise and and then you'll take it out of that. Well, it depends. You could just leave it to proof for one bit, and then and then and then you do another bit of slow sort of kneading just to stretch it, just to give it more elasticity. I think that's how it works. Because ultimately, what you want is you want a bit of a rise when it goes in the oven, but you want it strong enough to be able to hold itself in. And you do that ah, by getting. Okay. And I think this might come on to something you wanted to talk about later on about um, gluten-free because I think that's one of the issues there is you don't quite get that stretchiness with it. Yeah, no, I think the gluten creates that elasticity. I think that, and again, we'll be, we'll be talking about gluten for a, a whole other episode as well. But I do wonder, because in, in my preliminary research, using psyllium husk and flax seeds and using the different grains, it can be done. Carrie, you've had Renee's gluten-free Yeah, one of our podcast guests from last year, actually, who's a chef and a baker, has been recently playing with sourdough and trying to figure out a good gluten-free sourdough recipe. And she's definitely used psyllium husk. I know that she will be joining us at one point to talk a little bit more. Um, She wasn't able to join us today, but to talk more about the kind of gluten-free versions and and how she's doing there but also flax and she uses buckwheat sometimes and her starter i believe is made out of brown rice which she made herself incredible i've I've done rye and spelt but with my starter so i suppose you've got a bit of gluten Uh, it's it's a very different experience with the kneading and it's it's much denser but it's you know with with a bit of spelt and and rye and kibble it's a, it's it's a really tasty tasty loaf, but a lot denser. Yes, I've tried a couple of the loaves. I'm I'm lucky enough to have this person in New York City, and she hand delivers a warm loaf to me every once in a blue moon, which is gluten free to boot because I am gluten free for specific health reasons. Anyway, it's delicious. I have to say, it's the closest thing I've ever eaten in the 13 years I've been gluten free to a a real sourdough loaf. It doesn't have the exact same chewy quality and stretch to it but it's it's very very close it definitely satisfies that urge let's let's put it that way um dan do you find uh, in this process uh even listening to you talk about your history with sourdough do you find that you have to be very patient because do you find that do you get it right most of the time or have there just been times you just have to throw it out or it just doesn't work yeah I, I think it's one of those things you just need to keep practicing it 
you just need to keep going and to begin with it's not always going to work and sometimes i've had things that look like they just melted in the oven <laughs> sort of come out I think, I think one looked like a mermaid's purse it was just sort of drooping over the edge of these thongs and the sides of it so and that and actually at the time that's really disheartening it's one of those things where you look back and you go yeah but when it works it's it's really joyous and when it doesn't work it's it's like it's sort of heartbreaking but at least you're engaged in the process so you kind of yes i think that's really important that's what we always i really think that's incredibly important that it's not always going to work but it's 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 how you get better and it's it's just you have to go through that sometimes to understand it's understanding your pet really i guess like understanding learning the language what it's trying to tell you how to do it you do it you try and keep certain things the same and you understand where the variables are and what makes the difference and so I've arrived at a sort of process now which works, and, and on the whole, it pretty much works. It's, it's taken me quite a while to get there, but I've enjoyed the sort of run of it. I've got a method now which is completely different from what I did to begin with. The start is entirely different. The, the baking's are completely different. Do you Still share using. with us some of those lessons? Um, I do it in a Dutch oven now, cast iron sealed pot that I put in the, in the oven. And as, as I sort of mentioned earlier... I get that in the oven and I get the oven up as hot as I can possibly get it for about an hour at least. And then I put the, the, the dough into that. So it's already instantly baking from when you've got it in there. And that's that's got a couple of good things to it. One, as I said, it's instantly baking. And two, because it's sealed, it keeps the moisture in. See, normally if you don't and you put it straight into, say, on like a, on a stone or something in the oven, you would either spray some water in or you put some ice in the bottom just to keep it moist so it doesn't dry out initially. So that's getting it really hot is important. I came to that later on. That that really helps. The Dutch oven's really good. And then, as I mentioned earlier, getting that rhythm, understanding when it's kind of, okay, it looks like it's ready to go now. It's springing up. And it's something that I think you 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 just get a feel for it because you realize then that that's when you get the lift in the oven and when you don't. Uh, Daniel, do you notice any differences in um, seasons and how it affects your bread making? Well, in terms of trying to relocate where I'm proving, because <laughs> if it's too warm or it's too cold, you kind of have to move it about. So certainly in the summertime, it accelerates it because it's a living thing. So I try and take it down to the basement to prove. <laughs> in the winter, I can leave it up in the kitchen. So is there a time of year that you prefer to, to make it? I think winter because you've got more control over it. Okay. It's interesting from an Ayurvedic perspective, when we think of bread, specifically sourdough, since that's what we're talking about, um, we have these three doshas that we refer to a lot in Ayurveda called vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata being kind of the wind and ether element inside of us, pitta being the fire element, and kapha being the water and earth element. So when we look at sourdough bread and kind of who that would be best for, it would definitely lean toward being good for the Vata person. So a person that has very, a lot of wind and airy quality to them because it's it's a more grounding wheat in general, that grain is very grounding. It's got a lot of earth in it and it's got fire in it, especially when you've got the sourdough part of it too, right? That heated live thing. So it gives Vata a lot of nourishment and it and the, the sourdough is actually helping Vata to digest that, that food. Interestingly enough, wheat is best in fall and winter. That's when we, um, and, it, and Vata accumulates in the fall. It actually accumulates in the summer a little bit, but it really the time of Vata when we look in terms of seasons is fall and early winter. Uh, when it's very dry, the wind has kicked up all of those things. So 
it's interesting that the easiest time to make your sourdough is also falling within those same time periods. You, you do need to keep it out of a draft. So maybe that goes against okay. the Okay. <laughs> I've heard some people put it in an unheated oven or do you put it in a particular place in your kitchen? Where do you, where do you usually have it? So I, mean, that it I do mine in, in wicker baskets that I've just floured and maybe put some sort of semolina in the bottom and then floured them quite heavily, put the, the dough in, put a shower cap over the top of that. No way. <laughs> it's like a ducky shower cap or something. Yeah, yeah. heading down to sort of boots or super drug or whatever to get my shower. And then uh, it'll, it'll either be, as I said, in, in the winter, it's easier on the table, um, in the kitchen or downstairs into the basement just to be left. And it's about 14 hours. You just sort of leave it. Yeah. So that, that's where I normally, I don't, I don't put it in the oven. I think I think I've seen my oven's got a setting which says proving I don't really sort of trust that. And as I said, if I if if I want to delay it slightly, I'll stick it in the fridge. Uh, and it, and that's supposed to improve the flavour a bit as well. I think the longer you can let it sort of prove without it dissipating all its energy, the richer the the flavour will be from it. Interesting. And do you have a favourite flour that you like that tastes the best to you, or that you like to work with the best? So I'd, I'd sort of take a poll from the family as to which sort they want for each sort of week. But it's usually there's an unbleached white that's really nice. And there's there's a, a sort of Gilchester Organics does these these great um, flowers. And um, so it's it's kind of deceptive because it's it, it looks brown, but it's not. It's just not bleached. The advantage of the white is you get more um, sort of spring to it. It's got bigger bubbles, which is quite fun. So that's a kind of thing that you know you kind of look at and think oh look I got some good lift on that um and everyone always likes you know whites white sliced but then also so that's one type and then the other type like there's a, a seeded one um Shipton Mill do us I think it's a five seed flower and I put I've got some malt from them as well that I add in and that's that's another nice one too so they're my two favorites I think and then the the occasional home meal. Do, you, do you tend to source them on from online or do you do you go would you like would you go to the supermarket or would you get them more artisanal specialized. The Gilchester was recommended by a chef who I knew who was hugely into, who is hugely into all his fermentations and and, and baking. And he, he yes. sort of swore by them that they were great. And, and Shipton Mills, a well-known sort of West Country mill that does lots of organic flowers, lots of lots and, of different types like Corsian, I think, which is one that's a, the ancient type, which I tried once, but tasted quite a lot of coconut. So that was an odd, odd experiment. Huh. So these um, are English companies, just for the uh, listeners that are not. Yes. We've got yes. the, the American. Available online. I don't know what the shipping costs would be. But. Exactly. You may be able to check it out. Daniel, when you travel, what do you do? Who looks after the pet? Who looks after the yeast when you're away? Or how do you, how do you manage that? Either you can make a large batch of it and keep it in the fridge, and that will slow down the sort of the process of it of it going off the boil as it were or you can freeze dry it and that's the sort of process to try and do that to keep it going I don't think I've gone away for more than two weeks or so so it's it's okay. been all right well yeah. you'd mentioned the first the first time I ever heard this Daniel was through you you'd mentioned that there is a hotel where you yeah, can think, have your yeast that's the, the Scandinavians I think have uh have yes. placed you can take you can take your 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 ferment too in order for them to, to keep um, it alive. Apparently, it's in it's in Stockholm because I was so fascinated by that. It is in Stockholm. And Carrie, did you know? So there is this um, wonderful gentleman in Brooklyn, Matthias Jacobson. He has a sourdough inn in Brooklyn. Did you know that, Carrie? No. Do you know which part of? I just learned about this. So again, because I was so fa fascinated by what Dan had said about this. 
I mean, this is just hyster- I mean, amazing that there would be a hotel where you can check in your yeast when you're traveling, your sourdough starter rather. So this gentleman, Matthias Jake- Jacobson, apologies for if I'm mispronouncing his name, he um, was inspired by the Swedish, the Stockholm um, advanced bread culture area, or, or this, the city is, Scandinavian countries are very advanced in their bread making. And he was inspired by this uh, hotel. So he has his own and he does, you can leave your, uh, your sourdough starter. He'll look after it. He does a case history with you. He wants to know uh, what's going on with your yeast. Uh, and then he'll also help if there, if it needs rehabilitation, he can give you some tips uh, or help, help in any area. So it's, it's just an incredible world. Incredible. Um, I also found out that there's a library in Belgium, a sourdough starter library that was started by a chef called the Schmet. Uh, and he has 125 different sourdough starters. And some of them are quite, are, are quite ancient, quite old, quite important. So they're, they're all being preserved and looked after in the world's only to date um, sourdough starter library in Belgium. Wow, incredible. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was also just curious about how long you've been doing this and also what health benefits have you noticed or what changes in your health? Have you noticed anything since you've been doing these fermentations, specifically sourdough? So I think I've been doing it for about six or so years. I think it's made me more conscious of, of bread. I I'd sort of tended to move away from bread in any case. I don't know. I, I think it's difficult to, to say whether it's had any health benefit. I, I enjoy eating it in a variety of ways. Maybe I end up eating more bread than I don't. I like to think that maybe because it's the sourdough process, it's it's sort of healthier for you than if you just get off the shelf. Um, and I just enjoy enjoy baking it. Have you noticed that you tend to stay away now from just you know, doughy muffin or something because you have this amazing fresh sourdough that you're making at home? I did make my own brioches. That was quite nice as well. So I suppose wow. that's, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm a little too choosy now about um, other pastry goods. Got it. I'm, I'm not a great one for sandwiches at the sort of best of times. I've always sort of avoided that at lunchtime. Just thought that was something that would naturally sort of a bit too carb heavy and make you a bit too sort of soporific. So I'd always avoided that. So I, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm still slightly choosy about when I eat or try to be choosy about when I eat, eat bread. Because I mean, I, I think, even though it's sourdough, at the end of the day, it's still a fair amount of gluten in there, fair amount of carbs sort of going through. Um, it just tastes good. So I think it's, it, I suppose it puts it slightly more center stage than it other would, otherwise would be. So special. And it also uh, just sharing with your family and that they all love it so much and look forward to it is so brilliant. And again, just with sourdough, going through that whole process, we're getting the, the fermentation, you're getting that good bacteria. You're having this sourdough versus industrialized processed bread, which is just a catastrophe in our current climate going back to when industrialization and having to feed more people and the way things were changed to get through world war ii and feeding the soldiers and then the practice kept going so it was an inexpensive way to feed people anything that we can do to get us back to these practices is just so great so many issues with processed food with processed uh, breads and like going back to the prana as well we don't get that when we're really busy, because again, we fully appreciate life gets in the way. Sometimes there's a week when you can't make sourdough or uh, or maybe you don't want to make sourdough, but you want to get the benefit uh, and the deliciousness. Dan, what, where would you go or how would you, uh, how would you, how, what would you look for in a um, sourdough from outside of your 
of your home? Well, there's, you know, we're, we're quite lucky, as you know, Beth, with where we live, there's lots of nice bakeries around. They're all in <laughs> sourdoughs. In fact, it's hard to, to move without sort of, uh, <laughs> I suppose I like, and also I'm slightly jealous of the ones that can get the bigger lift, but the nice sort of big rounded ones, when you cut them open, there's lots of bubbles. I mean, almost you're getting less, I suppose, but it's just something. Would, that... I would never think of that, Carrie, would you? Like that, that's only someone who knows it very, very well. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I would not think of that either. Something that's fresh, something that's got a nice crust to it. Chewy crust is what I like. And 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 that flavor as well, that it's called sourdough. Anything it's called sourdough because it tastes that well, maybe it is. It tastes a bit sour, but it's quite nice. It's sort of that's something I like. Yes. Daniel, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, have you ever heard of something called the Blue Zone Diet? No. There's a man named um, Dan Butner, I think his name is, and he yes. wrote called the Blue Zones, and he basically traveled around the world and discovered in these five places that he now calls the Blue Zones, people were living to be 100 years old. And so he kind of went a little deeper and tried to figure out what they're doing and to see if there were any lapovers. Anyway, one of the places is Sardinia. And one of the things he believes is what makes centurions there is sourdough. Apparently they eat it three times a day for every meal. Right, well, that's that's good encouragement. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but also at the exclusion of other things. So it, it's part of their community and tradition. We love the blue zones. We love the attention being put on them. D different areas of the world where different practices, some. Um, like the Okinawans just have a lot of um, yams in their diet. Other other cultures, Mediterranean, will have meat. Some will have coffee, but it's moderation, alcohol, moderation, red wine usually. Uh, so we love learning these sourdough, of course. It just makes so much sense. And of course it would because it takes time. It's traditional. It's shared with the family and also really rich in fiber. You get a good, a really good sourdough, especially more of the whole grain ones. You're going to have fiber iron, magnesium, new, lots of important nutrients in the sourdough. They're better absorbed by the body if you've got that bacteria, that wild yeast. So we love it. Cheers to sourdough. <laughs> Cheers. And along with that, from the Ayurvedic perspective, wheat, the, the grain wheat is considered, a, it has the, the sweet taste. So we have water and earth there and it's filled with minerals, filled with nutrition. So like I know apart from the gluten, it's actually very healthful, especially for someone, as I mentioned before, that has more of a vata imbalance or vata constitution who tend to be a little bit depleted anyway. And then the sour taste. So we have six tastes in Ayurveda, sour being one of them. Sour has earth and water in it, that taste. So when you think of earth and you think of the soil and the minerals and that kind of heavy, soft quality, and then fire to activate it. So I always love thinking about the food I'm eating and what taste it actually has, and then kind of what element that, that it uh, consists of. So in this case, we've got earth, fire, and water. It's so brilliant. So Daniel, can you give us some, some takeaway tips just for our listeners? There's a few things that, that, that you think would help us help us and inspire us to to include more sourdough well i think there's there's one one essential piece of kit is okay. is a dough scraper oh if that two is better than one in this in this because it's it's a messy thing particularly if part of part of the process and, and getting something which you can get a nice lift off it's going to be wet and it starts out quite wet and then you have to work it into a slightly sort of more solid um, coherent form so the early stages the dough scraper is just essential and it and it's useful all the way along 
um, the process. Joe Scraper is my number one tip. The other one is, as I've said, practice. Just keep going and don't give up, you know, if it doesn't collapse, you know, if it, sorry, if it collapses or if it doesn't work out, just keep going because it's, you know, it's just learning that process. And I suppose the other one is just timetabling it, making sure that, you, you know, it, it's not difficult to find a process that you can just start in the evening and then be baking in the morning. So it, it doesn't really intrude too much on your life, but it's a nice way to start the day. Oh, that is wonderful. And then any like soundtracks that you listen to when you're baking? <laughs> well, do, you, do you have I, a Spotify list or something or, or an Apple it's, list? It's usually Radio 6, BBC Radio 6 on a Saturday afternoon, which is usually the Craig Charles um, funk show. So that, that usually... Maybe that imbibes more energy into it as well. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Also, again, like we're always encouraging ancient practices, encouraging this uh, healthy deliciousness. But also, I would imagine I've heard bread making and that kneading as, as heart opening. You know, you're you're doing so much um, with your hands with the bread, and you're getting the dough ready. That it, it does. Would you say that, Carrie? Opens up your heart. So you're actually doing that um, that work. And, and also, Dan, like, we just love that it's a ritual and that you're consistent with it. And I think that's always what we're always trying to do, what we're always trying to encourage. Uh, that slowing down, connecting, breathing. For some people, meditation is difficult, like mindfulness. If you, if you can make the sourdough or if you can source a good one and really enjoy it and be engaged with it. But I think, Carrie, I just find that, you know, what we loved about talking to Daniel today and what we were so excited is just we're so inspired by that consistency trying to uh, inspire and encourage and motivate people I was going to say what a wonderful daily routine to have to be checking on the starter and um, you know to having this kind of ritual of a weekly bake I think that's it's, it's only going to bring good into your life and also that idea of heart opening Beth I always think of that any anytime you're cooking and you're cooking actually for not just yourself but for a whole family and bread baking is all about that. Also, Daniel, if you could allow us another moment, we get really excited about things. You know, you know, we're, we're very excited about sourdough. We also get really excited about how, how there's so much to learn about the bacteria within the fermentation process of sourdough and how that specifically is helping um, aspects of our gut microbiome. We're also fascinated by a few other topics we've covered, like seaweed. In a lot of ways, seaweed and the bacteria in, in sourdough, we're just learning more and more about how important they are. And they're both wonderful rabbit holes that we have so much fun <laughs> diving down for these conversations. Carrie and I are, we're really putting our heads together. We're trying to concoct a bread. We're going to keep you posted. <laughs> Carrie, do you want to describe what we're trying to make? I don't know if you've ever heard of lava bread. It's a Welsh specialty. Yeah. Um, it's got so much nutrition in it. And Beth and I are determined to make a delicious modern style of lava bread for people to enjoy. And perhaps somehow mixing lava bread with sourdough is the way to go. What do you, what do you think? What's your professional opinion? as a sourdough maker. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, the, I mean, part of the, the bread making process with sourdough is you're just replacing the yeast, whether it's the dried yeast or the fresh yeast with the sourdough. And that's just what's getting it, that's what's kicking it going and, and getting it all it all running. So I, mean, I, 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 I could see that, yeah, I mean, that's that's perfectly sensible thing to, <laughs> to sort of- We're working on it. So it's watch the space, but also to make it delicious. We've both had some attempts we have to work on the taste. <laughs> it's more healthy yeah. and less delicious. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you know, it's just trial and error, isn't it? You keep keep trying and 
keep a note of what it is you're you're doing each time and where you think you, you just small variables is what you need i suppose each time and not giving what. up oh my goodness daniel we're so honored that you were here with us thank you so much for joining us today good luck with your next uh, sourdough on saturday thank you and there you have it folks sourdough so if any of you are looking for something to do during the last few days of the year before we head into january 2022 uh check out the sourdough and we have some show notes here with some recipes and some advice on where to get some good flour to bake with also just a reminder that none of the advice that we've given today on this brains and bellies podcast is meant to diagnose or treat any of your health issues if you do have a specific health problem we advise you to seek the guidance of your doctor and join us here next time for brains and bellies